welcome everyone. So I'm um, excited to be here today and feel that it's a real privilege to be able to share with you. And um, I'll just, I guess, start by telling you a little bit about myself. Um, I am a mum. I have four children. Um, they are now quite big children. They're young adults. They range from 17 up to 24. Um, I have three of them still living at home and one's moved away because she got married in January. And I have a second one going to be married in December. So two in one year is pretty big, a big change for our family. Um, some of you may know my husband, Keith, who studies, who lectures at Wallen College. And um, so it's probably helpful to know that, yeah, people know us from different walks, but not always me. They know my family and children and all sorts of things like that. But um, we're going to, what we're going to be looking at is um, discipleship in the family, and it's not just in relation to being a parent. I, I think it's a bigger scope than that. I like to think it's in relationship to the fact that we disciple any children that we're in connection with. When we're Christians and we're sharing our faith, um, we have many um, opportunities to talk to children about, about Jesus. And so I'd like to think that sometimes you might be a teacher, and in that capacity you do that. You might be a mum, you might be an auntie, you might be a coach, or you might be a music teacher, you might be involved in beach mission. I don't know all your walk, walks, but I think anywhere that you're um, interacting with children is an opportunity to disciple them. So that's, um, that's where I come from. I guess I feel um, as a female um, in God's family, there's opportunities to disciple through, through connecting with, with women in faith, through assisting women on their journey, um, my role, I'm a teacher, an early childhood teacher, so I work with four to five-year-olds every, every um, four days a week. So in my role as a teacher, I can introduce Jesus. I'm, I'm fortunate to work in a centre that's a Christian-based centre, so I have the freedom to speak um, Jesus into their lives and children, as you know, are spiritual beings, so they ask those questions, which is great to be able to answer them. Um, I feel like I'm also... Um, able to relate to parents and be a bit of a sounding board to them as they try the journey of um, parenthood as well. And as a mum of four lovelies myself, um, I care and nurture them as well and support them. Um, and I'm in a time of change where I'm actually even going to be embrace. I've already embraced one son-in-law, about to embrace a second son-in-law. So they are all encompassing as part of the family. That's how I see it. So it's broad, the broad brushstroke. So I thought I'd just show you some pictures. Now, just up front, I'm not very tech-savvy, okay? So just be, just be gracious with me. My family laughed, my children laughed, but I said, look, did I grow up with computers? No. So, um, so these are some of the, um, the children I care for. I can't show you their faces, but every day um, at, at my centre we have um, a praise and worship time where we have opportunity to um, um, introduce God through song and morals and things like that. So that that's, gives you a bit of an idea of what I'm doing when I'm at my workplace. And then this is um, a picture. I had their permission to show this. They had to find you be sure it was the right photo because that's, you know, you've got to be sure. So these are, um, this is my son Reuben, my daughter Laura, my daughter Claire, my daughter Emma. That's on a fun moment being crazy. And then this is on a um, trip that we took to um, Vietnam last December in the pouring, pouring rain. So um, that just gives you a bit of a view. I think it's good to have a visual to go, okay, where's this woman come from? Like, you don't know me from the bar, so it just helps you to visualise where I am and what I do and how I spend my days. Okay, so I thought it'd be helpful just to look at and, and brainstorm together and think about, well, what, what is our ultimate goal? What is our ultimate goal when we're discipling a child or a family member or someone we're in touch with? What, what do we hope... What do we hope to teach them? What do we? What does that look like? So I'm going to start by I've got a beautiful slide here, Hannah. It's just stepped in to say, can we throw out some ideas and brainstorm? What What are we hoping? Like when we're discipling a child, what are we ultimately hoping for um, from from doing that? That they can understand and receive how much God loves them. Mm-hmm. Choose Jesus for themselves. Are you okay, Hannah? Just, yeah. just put your hand up and yeah. it's all too fast. You're doing great. Anything else? That they see Jesus working through you. 
Mm-hmm. So we're good, good um, like role models. Yeah, light shiners. So a practical, is that what you what you mean from that? Yeah. Well, so values and adopt. Adopt. And walk the talk, is yeah. that sort of yeah. along those lines? Walking the talk. Yeah. Anything else? Fun, he's a fun element mm. of their lives, not just all serious. A sense of um, identity, yeah. Tre- I like the word treasuring themselves. They realise that they're treasured by a higher being, treasured by other people. That, that sense of worth and value. And you also to help them just find their own gifts and recognise that they are gifts from God. Mm-hmm. Fabulous, yeah, great. We've come up with a great list. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's that's pretty huge that list. So that's well done. Thanks, Hannah. That's great. Um, so having a look at that, uh, I, I'm going to be covering some of those elements. Obviously, in my time, I, I don't have a lot of time, so sometimes I may skip over something quickly. Um, I'm sorry about that, but feel free at the end to come back to me just because there's so much I can give you and I just think I'd rather, whatever I bring, I feel God's given me to bring and maybe it'll be something that you can take, but if it's something you think, mm, what would you mean by that, please come and see me at the end if, if you're totally confused, if that makes sense. So, um... There's a beautiful verse in the Bible, and probably I've flicked it off just because I've heard it so often over the years, but um, it comes from uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when when he is old, he will not depart from it. So um, I'm going to use that verse as a basis for what I'm talking about today, because um, I think it's, I like the image of it, and... um, when I explored it further, I looked up different um, different versions of it, and, I, and it had these certain words which I thought were really powerful. Um, one said, "Direct your children." One said, "Start children off on the way." One said, "Give instruction to a youth." One said, "Point your kids in the right direction." And one said, "Teach a child to choose the right path." So I thought they were all beautiful images connected with the concept of training. So I'm going to use the train, the word train as an acrostic, to help you remember so you can walk out of here and say, rather than just amalgamation of too much information. I like the sense of train because I think it, it means movement, it means, um, it means effort, and the concept of training means energy, so you have to actually do something. It means discipline, so you have to you know, be set on, on making sure it's attained. You need to be persistent. And it's a sense of ongoingness. So I think the train is a really, really good image. So I'm going to adopt that image of train. So on, on each aspect, so what I'll just tell you what I'm going to do and then I'm going to do it so um, you won't be confused. So with each um, letter, I'm going to 
talk about at each letter. We're going to get you up halfway through to do an activity. And at the end, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you something that you're going to take away to actually implement. Because I think you can hear so much information and walk away and go, well, that was good. And then you go on your merry way and, and re-enter life. But I really would encourage you to at least one thing, maybe even two, you can go, wow, I'm going to try and embrace that and do that. Because I think that's, that's what it's all about and that shows growth. And again, it shows movement and energy and desire to change. So that's all great. So my first one, starting with T, is... Sorry, could you mind if we shut that curtain? It's just really blurry. Sure. That might be a test that one across. Yeah. How's that? No, that's all right. Thank you. It's just my glory. That's all good. Humble, that's all good. So the first one is going to stand for teach. We need to teach in discipleship. We need to teach children about Jesus and who he is. And from a young age, um, I was really conscious of this and the responsibility when we had this little baby and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, this child is in my care. And I remember from a real young age rocking them off to sleep, sometimes gently, sometimes like this, um, and singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And even in those those very early years, I feel like that was sort of uh, a mantra and a, a help to think, okay, Jesus giving me this child out of love, this child's been born, um, and, and so I would sing that when I put them off to sleep. Um, I want to, you need, the need to teach children about God's character, Jesus' love, his grace and acceptance of them. Now, the how does that all work? It all sounds very airy-fairy. So I think in the home is the starting point. If you're a parent, that's where you, where you start. Um, but I believe, too, um, through nature, nature is a beautiful opportunity just to teach children about God, wherever you're touching base with. Children are very um, curious. They're very aware of their surroundings. They like to explore and adventure. And they have questions about nature and they want to know. So through, through just simple ways of interacting with, wow, look at that ladybug. Look at how it's made. Where, how do you think it came to be? Asking those questions, rather than just teaching directly, but also asking them when they come of age and they can speak, what do you think where that ladybird came from? To ask those inquiring questions. To look at, um, go and lie out, outside and look up at the sky and watch the clouds go by and, and, and embrace the seasons. What's happening? How do you feel? All of those things. I do a lot of that in my workplace. And, and children are just naturally curious and aware and through that, you can introduce God to them. That there has, that there has to be something that made this because it's so amazing. Um, so th through, through nature, you can do that. Through songs, I do a lot of singing um, and have in my family as well. So Christian tapes, back in the day before there was DVDs, had them in our car and we'd sing along wherever we travelled. And there's so many fantastic messages of um, Jesus in songs. And I do that every day with my children in my workplace as well. Um, we demonstrate when we teach children about God just in, through our actions in the everyday. So, for example, is, um, I remember my children going shopping and we got too much change. And I said, we've got too much change, we need to take that back. And they say, why do we need to take that back? And we say, because they've given us too much money. But why? Because that's the right thing to do. So even in the simple actions is also we're, we're teaching them. Um, we re returned home one day with all these bags of fruit from Harris Farm. I don't even know why that, where they came from. I remember taking them out of the booth, thinking, why are all these bags here? And our children said, great, look at all the veggies and fruit we've got, Mum. I said, they're not ours, we need to take them back. So just even in those simple ways, and they'd say, why, why, Mum, why? And we'd say, because Jesus is watching, and it's the right thing to do, we need to tell the truth. But even in those simple everyday, we're teaching them um, all about about Jesus and the right thing to do in those habits. Um, telling the truth. Tell, teach, you need to teach them about truth. Truth is so wishy-washy in our society today. What's truth and it's okay as long as you get away with it. I think we need to be really um, sure on telling them what is truth and what is a lie. And we, I often talk about how God hates lies and mum and dad hates lies as well because it takes you into a different space which is not helpful to anyone. We need to know the truth. We need to know who you are and who Jesus knows who you are and who your heart is. And it's very important to, um, to be aware of that. We celebrate truth. 
when truth is told, we celebrate truth. So we say, well done. Um, I remember one of my daughters at school, this child, made an accusation that they'd been um, hit by my daughter. So it was quite a big deal and she was pulled up to the, to the principal's office and um, we, we said, um, we didn't at the time even say, do we need to intervene? We just thought, no, it'll, it'll play out. And it turned out that this guy, this girl was telling a big fib and the principal said, Emma, I, I, know, I know you always tell the truth. So I'm confident that, that what I've heard is that the, tr the truth. And so we said, well done, Emma. See, see, that's an outplaying of the fact that you've only ever told the truth. And so other people are seeing that. You're being a light, you're being a light in the school. People are already seeing the difference that you're making. We've always had an element of there's no reason to doubt the child's telling the truth. We say that over our children. Why do we have we, we don't have any reason to doubt you because you've always told the truth? And so that's something that's like they're living up to it. It's an expectation we've already put over them to say, well, I don't have to doubt you, I don't have to even question you over that because you've always told the truth. So I think that they're living up to that. Subconsciously they live up to that idea that, well, you know, they've never had to test me, ask me before, so that should, that, that's a great way to live. Um, we also tell the truth, the biblical truth, um, to children as we watch movies and talk around the TV. We've always done that and sat with our children and seen, you know, and asked them openly, do you think that's a good response to that when that person bops someone over the head? Even from a really early age, we, we ask the questions, is that good? Do they deserve that? What's another way? What, how do you think God would respond? Is that a good thing? So just that questioning and from a very, very young age, we, we've always implemented that concept. I do that also in my job when children hurt others, how does that make you feel when such and such does that? Do you think that's a good idea? So rather than saying, you're wrong, I think they need to own it by, by pondering it. And they, they're able to do that. They're able to think it through and make sure that that's a positive or not. So I think we need to teach in the home. There are just a number of truths. Obviously, there's so many other things we can teach, but that's one element. Teaching in the home is important. I believe teach that children learn also by finding a faith community. So they need to be hooked into a faith community where children, where children can be a part of it. They learn the value of truth, of telling the truth. They learn about God. They learn about God's guidance, his love for them through the Bible, through um, reading stories. Um, I, in preparation for the seminar, I actually asked my four children, what was significant what were two significant things that happened for you as, we grew, as you grew up in our family? What did you find helpful? And one of them shared this and said she really appreciated growing up in churches that had relevant and practical kids' church ministries during church. She loved learning and growing and understanding in a fun way alongside other children. So in, be encouraged if you're one of those people who works with kids and it can be exhausting... You're, you're, making a, you're making a difference. And for those times in doing church when, um, you know, kids' church is on and you're missing church, you're serving, you're teaching, children are taking that on board. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. So do encouraged by that. Um, also, just value the voices of other parents who are also doing the journey. I think there's a great strength in community where we can stand beside and say, I'm really struggling with this. But they also speak into your children's lives and, and truth and teach them about Jesus. So that's a privilege and that's a beautiful part of community that, that they can share. Uh, also, just um, the other connect, so we've looked at, looked at um, the home, we've looked at the, in, a, in a community and, and looking at family too. too. Family also play a, a vital role in teaching. Uh, the voice of, of members who love God and then there's those members also who maybe don't love God in your families. I don't know your situation. But it can be a point of challenge. You can have a mix of voices from grandparents, from parents about what's the right way. Um, a story I can tell you, but my the grandparent will remain nameless just because out of, you know I want to keep him safe. Um, only about two years ago, we went out to a restaurant in the Blue Mountains, and one of my daughters was was um, playing with the salt dish and showing particular interest in this salt dish. And so we ate our meal jump back in the car, and as we're driving down the road, um, my, sorry, the grandfather presented my daughter with a hanky. 
And she opened the hanky and he was this salt dish. And he's like, I knew you really wanted this, so I, I, I got it for you, I took it. So we were in quite a dilemma and much discussion followed. And he said, um, oh, I meant it as a nice gift for you. It won't be missed. So he was justifying it. Um, and as we all spoke, he thought, well, how embarrassing is it to take it back? So this, this you know, teaching, this discussion went on in the car. And I'm not taking it back because I didn't, it wasn't my issue. But, so this, this grandparent's in the car at the same time, mind you. So all this discussion is going on between seven of us. Well, ten minutes later, much to um, the child's embarrassment, she took it back and she was very respectful and she said, my pa had an episode, I'm sorry. This <laughs> <laughs> <Mr>. saltish. <laughs> now, let's just say um, it, there was a lot of quietness in the car from the pa. He was not happy at all about that and he was fighting the issue. But... I'm just sharing that to say, you know what, not all people are going to be on the same page, not all family are going to be on the same page, they're going to give different messages. So it's staying true to what you believe, even though despite... And that's, that's challenging because they're someone that I should be respecting as well, but then there's a line where you need to stay firm and go, no, I want, what, do I, what do I want to teach my children here? I want to teach them honesty. So, um, yes, so that was um, quite... a interesting time and children come to terms and they process and we have had many long conversations after visits to grandparents on the way home in the car because we live up in Central Coast and grandparents live in Sydney or in the Blue Mountains. Some great discussion about different values, different lifestyle but always speaking in a respectful way. So they are working it out over the years and as they've grown older they can see uh, the difference in following Jesus and not following Jesus, if that makes sense. So they do play a great role and then there's the grandparents who also support and tell their beautiful stories of faith. And stories play such a lovely role and um, it's very important to engage with grandparents um, and to hear those stories of faith. I think children love to remember them in stories. Generally, children love stories, so it's a great... I, great to have them shared and have that generational connection. I, I think that's really, really important. Uh, just coming back to, so we've talked about, I've talked about the importance of teaching the home, importance of community, the importance of family. Another big thing that I think is really important to teach is to teach children to cope with disappointment and block goals in a healthy way. They're going to come. They're going to happen in life. Another way of, of saying that is being resilient to challenges. We, um, as parents, always supported and equipped our children to develop their own thinking and navigate challenging moments by themselves. When friendships went pear-shaped, which they always do, uh, we would, ask, we would ask our children to see if they were happy to see if they could work it through themselves. So we skilled them up and had a practice sessions before that happened and then they would go into a situation and say, for example, our child who were friends with them one day and next day decided not to be friends with them, which can happen a lot. Um, so our children would approach others and say, help me understand why one day you're friends with me and one day you're not. And the children that they approached would be so dumbfounded because they couldn't believe that someone had asked that, like they'd, you know, talked the pink elephant basically. <laughs> and they were really shocked about it. But they weren't attacking him, they didn't say, you rejected me. They just were very careful to come from the help me understand. So our use of language is important to teach as well. What's the best approach in doing that? To make sure um, that you're respectful, but you're also trying to gain understanding. Um, Another incident is, is looking at how we respond as well, as we teach how we respond. So I'm, I'm sharing some examples from because I just felt find them helpful. Hopefully they're helpful to you. Uh, we had an incident um, at a netball game where one of our daughters made it to the grand final. And we were all over there watching and the coach decided not to put my daughter on. Two, two girls were not asked to play during the whole grand final, even though they played throughout the whole term. 
So you can imagine as parents, that was quite gut-wrenching. And then and there, we had to get ourselves in a space as to how we're going to respond to this. Another girl at the same time was also not put on. Her parent responded in a very aggressive, aggro, volatile way to the coach and to the lady in the association. We needed to, my husband and I needed to get into a good emotional space. So before we responded, take a breath. It's always a good response. And to think, okay, we need to overcome this stress. How are we going to pray, pray into this straight away? Pray for peace. Stop and then respond. So we, we said we were disappointed, but throughout the game we continued to encourage the other players, said they were doing a great job. At the end of the game, one of the ladies from the association came up to my husband and said, I just want to say thank you for being such an encourager on the sideline, despite what's happened today. Um, it's, it's meant a lot. And I've, I, let me just say, I know that that's how you've responded. So I thought even in the bigger, the bigger picture, we're showing Jesus in how we respond. And I think and sports are really, really aggressive, can be very aggressive. I've, I've um, umpired, I, I've coached a team um, a good few years ago, but it was just craziness. I thought, oh my gosh, just that concept of even being fair and all of that was just craziness. So I was really endeavouring to teach in that capacity, to disciple my team to say, that's not how you respond, this is the sportsman-like way to respond. So I think we've got so many opportunities to do that and respond and teach our children to cope with disappointments. I think of this verse in Colossians 3.12, Since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves you. You must close yourself with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So that was, I guess, us trying to outwork. Let's just say we're not perfect. We've not always responded well. I'm just getting off the pedestal. We're getting me off the pedestal. It's a journey, but it's over the years we've grown in that and we realise it's, it's so important. The other two things I think we need to teach, I'll just quickly, um, I'm conscious of time, is um, we need to... We need to um, teach our children generosity. God is a generous God. He loves us. He wants to impart all good things on us. So involve, involve children in, in doing things for others, whether it be going out gardening for someone who, in the community who, who needs help, whether it be um, putting together Samaritan boxes for other children overseas, um, surprising others with an act of kindness. Our children, I remember, were being absolutely shocked when we've done a few crazy things. And they just say, why are you doing that? And we said, because we can, and God's a generous God. I remember a, um, a, a homeless woman in KFC, was near KFC one day, um, with a trolley, my husband went and bought her a meal, all my children were just like this. What's that? Why is that? Why is that buying your food for that lady? Does he know that lady? You know, sort of thing. And we're like, well, that, she looks like she's in there, we need to give her a meal. Um, that sort of thing. Paying for someone behind us, we've done that before. Um, just and I, I, I know, use this catchphrase even now as they get out of the car. I said, you know, be a blessing to someone today. As they hop out of the car, my 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 big kids, be a blessing to someone. God is a blessing to us. Do, do something today that's going to be a blessing. And now they look at me when they get out of the car and go, I know, Mum. Be a blessing to someone. I said, Yep. <laughs> off we go. So I think our words over them too. They 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 live and walk the talk. And the other. Um, commitment, commitment, we need to teach commitment. I think this world is so, uh, you know, we can go with the waves of life. We need to teach commitment to the task. So let your word be your bond. If you say you're going to do it, you need to do it. Um, you know, and um, I think we've seen that in, in our children, like, you know, they, they serve in different capacities, but, you know, they'll say, but I'm on, I've said I'm going to be on. I said, well, look, you've got no voice, how can you sing? So that's the downside of it, like they don't know when to not be committed. But I think commitment is a really important thing. It goes with you for life and all that you do. Um, teach, teach them love through boundaries as well. Definitely have boundaries to say um, children know their boundaries. If they, if they know their boundaries, they know their love because you care about what they do. So that's important. 
to do in my workplace. I'm always putting boundaries in for my children. So they know now what, what, what it means and now they um, can live by that. So sorry, that's huge. That's just teach. <laughs> you can probably soak up all that. But anyway, hopefully you'll be able to take something. Um, there's a poem which I'll show you later, which is a uh, reminder. It's called My Child. And it just teaches them about who they are. Um, it's all verses from the Bible. I've got it up on screen, but I'll, I'll show it to you later on. And that's something that um, we've done to help in our teaching as well. Okay, R. So we're teaching, we're role modelling. R for role model in our train acrostic. Uh, be a good role model in the way you speak, in the way you respond, in the way you act. You are discipling children even when you're not saying anything. You know you're doing that? You're not saying anything, but you're discipling children. They are watching you all the time. They are watching your response. Um, I think in this day and age, the use of technology is a very big challenge in this area. And it's been a new journey for us um, and for many of us, maybe not so if you've grown up with it, but for a family who haven't really grown up with it and had to embrace it over the years, it poses many challenges, challenges and it still continues to do so. So how do you balance technology? Model, model what it looks like to balance technology. Um, that it's an easy trap to fall into. You can just be on all the time, iPads, phones, TVs. In our family, we try to have a technology-free day. Once a week, where all technology is, goes down. TVs, it's, very, it's been a challenge. It's not easy. We're still in process with it all. But we think it's very, very important to do that, to have a break, to make that shift from what, from the everyday to, no, we're not doing it today. We have no technology around our dinner table. We've never had technology around our dinner table. We see this as the time to connect and to catch up on each other's days. Part of that is, the, is also modelling the concept of being present. We need to be present for each other. We need to be present for children. No distractions and being intentional about being present. Personally, I try to put my device down when, children, when my children come to talk to me, at preschool as well, when I've got my iPad and I'm trying to do observations and whatnot, I try to put it down and look into their eyes to say, I really care about what you have to say, what would you like to tell me? And I think that is modelling such a strong, strong, I, I value you, I value what you have to say, I want to listen to what you have to say. In that presence of being present for children, we also need to be present for God. And each day as I read my Bible, as I journal, as I pray, my children are watching me and they, they get a glimpse of how I value time with Jesus. They've come into my bedroom and say, what are you doing, Mum? I said, I'm reading or I'm praying. Um, and I think that's, a good, that's hopefully modelling to them that, you know what, I put aside time and that he's, if without him I wouldn't be the person I am. So we need to be attentive, we need to be present to God. And not just, just listening, just listening, listening to his voice. I don't think we create, I think that was relevant when we are talking about time and how we're so effective. Um, if you have opportunity ever to decide to go on a spiritual retreat, recommend it. Where you just you just go and spend time with God, and they send you off for two hours and say off you go, no devices, go and listen to God. It's the most empowering thing that gets you in just that space of stopping. You can't hear God when we're going 100 miles an hour. You need to just stop and listen. So we need to be a role model in the way we speak, the way we use technology, the way we're present for each other, and we need to be a role model when it comes to how to be angry. Who gets angry? <laughs> well, over the years, there's been some anger, anger happening in our house and with children. So we adopted this policy where we bought a trampoline. Um, and we used to say when someone was really angry, I think you might need to go and have some trampoline time. <laughs> At which point, our children would go downstairs and go and jump on the trampoline. We never gave the time. We just said, go and jump on the trampoline until you, you think you're ready. 
and then they would return and they were always a lot better. Now, I remember a time when I was losing my cool. <laughs> Only a time. I lost my cool many times. And in one particular occasion, one of my children um, obviously picked this up, picked up my mood, and calmly said, Mummy, I think you need some tranquilizer. <laughs> At which point, I could have responded in the being cheeky or something like that, but I said, you know what? Yes, I do need some trampoline time. <laughs> and so I walked down outside, commenced jumping on the trampoline, looked up at the window, here's my four lovelies going, Mum's having trampoline. I could, so I could just picture what they were saying. Mum's having trampoline time. And you know what? I was a better person after it. So I had to, I had to walk the talk myself. Here I'll say it was good enough for them. Is it good enough for me? Of course it's good enough for me. So recommendation by a trampoline, I think it's a really good option. Um, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger do not sin. You're fe feeling much better, I then came upstairs and apologised for my angry behaviour. I need to apologise for my angry behaviour and said, I'm sorry, and I told them I was feeling much better and said, wow, trampoline time's great, isn't it? Always be willing to say, in your anger, always be willing to say sorry to your children or to children that you touch base with. Example, if, they're, if they're, you're teaching them piano and they don't do well and you snap because you're like, did you practice? Mm -hmm. That you come back to them and say, sorry, I was a bit harsh. I think we need to be modern. How do we do that? We, we haven't got it together. We're still, we're still on our own journey. But always great to apologise and say sorry. And the other one is to show how to be a reflective listener. Be a role model in showing how to be a reflective listener. Which is some of the words I brought back... I talked about before when it said, help me understand, are you saying? Be present, but also understand and be saying, are you saying this? When you say you've got a sore leg, are you saying this? When you say you're feeling sad, are you saying this? Check with them. I feel sad when this happened. So you're emphasising on the other person and you're aware of using you state, um, I statements rather than you statements because there's such a strength in talking like that. So I have children at preschool who, who something happens and then I say, I'm not understanding why, they're, what that, why that child's doing that to you. Could you go and ask them? So they go up to them and say, help me understand why you keep hurting me. And the child can tell you, in a three-year-old or four-year-old's life, they can say it because you're angry, you took the toy or whatever it was. So to just be aware of really listening, really listening. We're not great at it. We have two ears and one mouth. We do a lot of this. We need to stop and really listen to children and where they're coming from. So that's some um, points for being a good role model. All right, moving along. We're going to do something because you're all looking a bit weary. The next one is A for ex acceptance, stroke, forgiveness. I'm going to get you up. We're going to go into the hall just for about a couple of minutes. So we're going to look at how connected were you, so I want you to think about this, how connected were you to, to different individuals in your life as you grew up? So it may be your mum. How connected were you to your mum? If, if your mum didn't bring you up, if you were with someone else, your primary caregiver, whoever that is. So we're going to come and, and step between a ratio of 0 to 10 to show how connected you felt as you grew up.
So, with that in mind, the amount, let's just say, the amount of connection you experienced in your, as you grew up, may affect how you connect with children who are in your world. So there may be triggers of children. Children may remind you of something or you may struggle with the personality trait that child has. So I'm just saying, putting it out there to say you need to be aware of that as you, as you um, disciple children, that, that your past Everything. will affect <laughs> your interactions and your connection and acceptance of children. Um, so understanding and undergirding our values and foundations our, are our own experiences of connectedness and acceptance with our parents or caregivers. So I'll say that again, it's huge. Understanding and undergirding our values and foundations are our own experiences of connectedness and acceptance with our parents and primary caregivers. Not all our models have been helpful ones. Um, and aware that for individuals this may be very challenging. This may be a very challenging area. So I'm just putting it out there to say it is it is it does happen. Um, you may find that you know there's uncertainty of where they felt accepted. Um, they were judged, they were manipulated, they felt unloved. And just I'm just stating that these behaviours are not okay. And um, that God can heal. God can heal and thankfully God loves us unconditionally. So that that may be a journey for you that you need to explore that may take a while, may take all your life. But just to um, be aware that it needs to be, the journey will affect you as a parent, as a just, you know, someone who disciples children. So to just be aware of that and, and get help. There's people out there who are very, very skilled to um, assist you on that journey. Um, it's really important to let your children know that they're loved. So say it out loud. I love you on a daily basis. Um, leave love notes in your lunchbox. That's a great one. Um, try not to ever compare children with each other in a family setting but also in a, in a teaching capacity. Oh, such and such, they're better, they're better at um, shooting goals than you are. Don't even go there. Don't do any sort of comparison because this can cause resentment. Um, embrace and celebrate the different gifts and unique God-given talents. Name, their name the children's strengths. I like the way you're full of energy. I love that. <laughs> I like the way you've got a lot to say. I like the way you care for others. I like the way um, you're a great writer. A beautiful exercise which you may find, find helpful, um, which I've used before, is to wrap up a present. There's nothing in it, just a box that looks colourful. And hand it round and ask each child to give the present to the next child and speak a positiveness over that child. That's a gift. It's a gift of words. I call it a gift of words. And it's such a beautiful thing to do in, in a classroom or in a Sunday school group or whatever, wherever you are in the church group, to hear the words of children and what they actually appreciate about each other and what they see in each other. Um, just in passing, this is a great book. I don't know if anyone's familiar with it, The Five Love Language of Children. Really, really helpful book, which um, talks about um, how each child has five love languages, some, and usually two that are more prominent than others and just how we need to um, be aware of that and feed that. That's probably more in a parenting role, but you can also see that in children if you're, if you're making connection and relationship with them, how to navigate that and what to do about that. So I, won't, I don't have time to go into that, but it's, it's a very good book we've used a lot over the years and helps you understand your children. Um, when it comes to acceptance, speak about difference in positive terms. So it's not a matter of right and wrong, because that creates judgment. 
but rather than um, an attitude of acceptance and grace. So it's about difference, not about right and wrong when it comes to um, maybe well, all different things, what they were wear, how they respond. That, that, that's an interesting view that child has. What do you think God thinks about that view? What do we talk about in our family about that view? Um, so to get them to talk about that and realise it's not about right and wrong, it's just about difference. Uh, feed a healthy self-esteem. Use positive words over each, each of the children. Uh, it's great the way you can do this. In every child in your care, you can find a positive aspect. Like I said before, you know, you're, I love the way you're so energetic. Dads play a really important role in connecting with their daughters and building self-esteem by verbally acknowledging their beauty. It gives them a sense of worth and value. Dads and girls, that's just, they have that role. So if, if um, you're a daughter who hasn't had that, hopefully you've had another male speaking into to who you are in that capacity. Um, remind all children that God has made them perfect. And um, we talk about beauty spots in our house and how God says finished. God says finished and that's why he leaves a mark on you. Um, so we put that frame in a positive way rather than a, it's a mistake. And boys require self-esteem as they grow. We need to um, connect with them as women as well. Um, I have a cuddly boy at my house. He's 17, so he's taller than me and it's quite strange. But I think... Um, not strange, sorry, just the fact that he's taller than me. Um, but he regularly comes for cuddles. And I think I need to do that for him because he's going to have maybe a wife one day. How is he going to know how to do that unless I provide him with, with cuddles? So understand who they are in Christ. Tell children, help children to understand who they are in Christ so they can embrace healthy self-esteem. Only, only God alone knows who we are and cares for us and made us and died for us. Um, we as a family have adopted also um, a concept of saying sorry quickly so do this in a short time space so forgive, forgiveness definitely can take time but the word sorry is powerful so we don't let if we, if we cause grief to each other we try to say sorry very quickly um, that's my husband and I as we model that as well we do the same in front of the children but we don't, we don't want them to um, get into a pattern of holding grudges. So we say sorry quickly so the devil doesn't have a foothold. talks about that. Um, do not let the sun, in Ephesians 4, 26, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. But being aware of um, always saying sorry quickly and try not to argue in the bedroom um, with children. The bedroom should be a place of peace and solace. So if you're going to have an argument, even ask the child to be removed and come out of the bedroom. And, and my husband and I have never fought in our bedroom either because it should be a place of peace and solace. So we usually try and take it out somewhere else if we're going to do that. Um, acceptance of others. Um, my husband and I have been very um, intentional about doing cross-cultural mission with our children. And we had a trip to Vietnam um, December last year Great opportunity to understand other cultures, other people, accepting other people, other lifestyle, other cultures, other food, um, and serving alongside them. Um, they used their own gifts and capacities in what they did, which was beautiful to see. Um, and it created thankful and grateful hearts because they realised when we came home for Christmas, there's no way we could do what we normally do for Christmas because we've just been in this quite a um, you know, challenged environment. So... I think that's a great opportunity if you ever get to take your children on a cross-cultural ministry trip, take them, because it just enlightens them and gives them greater capacity to think outside their space. All right, we're moving along. We're on the train. We've trained, we've role-modelled, we've accepted and forgiveness. Be intentional. This is the fun part. Hang out with children. They're good fun. Get to know them. Build strong relationships with them. And this begins as, as soon as you meet them. Um, in holiday times, at my house, we always used to ask the children to write down a list of things they wanted to do in the holidays. And we, I always had to inform them, no, probably a trip to Disneyland is not going to happen. <laughs> but to set aside time over the holidays to at least do a couple of those things. So then it meant that it was the, it was the children's agenda as to what to do rather than my agenda, even though I was you know, trying to do all these other things. But they felt special and respected and valued. 
So that was an intentional time in the holidays that we do that. Go on one-to-one -one dates. Ensure each child has one-to-one -one time. You can do this um, if you've got a netball team, if you've got a soccer team, whatever. You can take a group of them out from, and make them feel special. And that space is a space for them to share what's happening in their lives and to connect with them one-to-one. -one. Uh, we're also big on family events. So if it's a birthday or it's a Father's Day, um, we all come together, put out the call. Um, we now have an extended family because um, I obviously I have a son-in-law, I have a son-in-law-to-be, I have a girl who's dating a fellow, but there's nine of us in total. So just recently I put the call out and said, do you want to go to the AFL? Three of those boys have never been to the AFL, I'm like, what's going on there? It's right. Um, and so they all came on board and said, yeah, we'll come to the AFL. So the nine of us went off to the AFL. Great night, great to see great, them interact with us in a different setting, all of that really great. And showing the importance of family and connection. These boys have all come from different families to what our family is, so they need to know how we roll. Some of the things will probably grate on them. We're real about that. They'll probably think, what the heck, they do that. But some of them will also be a good thing and they'll go, wow, we need to adopt that. So we definitely um, are very intentional about doing that. Um, we model accountability. I mean, they're seeing our family system. Um, we, have a, we have a great thing that we really, that's something we've done. It wasn't in my family, it wasn't in my husband's family, but something that we have brought into our family is the concept of the rites of passage. So in our family, when you turn 13, you get given a Coke and you sit at the table with the cake because we're not big cake drinkers and fizzy drinkers. So at 13, as you come into teenagehood, you get given a Coke and a, some sort of gift, a ring, um, to say, welcome to teenage years. You can drink Coke now. It's your decision. Good luck with your teeth. Um, so that happens at 13. At 18, they get to have a night away with mum and dad at their choosing um, and a choice of activity to do. So that's when we give them their first alcoholic drink, in case they might have had some before, I don't know. But officially, we take a bottle of champers, we give them their first drink, and we speak about the future with them and their hopes and dreams and what they would like to do, where's God for you in this? Um, and then we also give them a 21st birthday party, but at that we encourage friends to be their own alcohol. So that just creates a bit of a limit as to what's going on and what happens. So there, there's three rites of passages we do. We've just found them lovely. There's things they really look forward to. They know they're coming up. We've only got, well, we've got the 21st, two 21st to go and my son obviously is going to be turning um, 18 next year. Um, so he'll be, he's already planning what we're going to be doing. He's very active, so we're a bit worried as to what he's going to choose. Like skydiving or I don't know. But they've all chosen something different and we've all found that a really precious time to just set aside, to go away with them and have that space. The other thing is, of intentionality is family holidays. Always plan holidays. It's a brilliant time to connect. Sense of adventure, exploring new things, hopefully relaxing, refreshing. Build relationships, encourage relationships between siblings, all of that. And our final one, well done, you're still with me, great job. Train, role model, acceptance, forgiveness, be intentional and be natural in living out faith. We have to be natural in living out faith. From a young age, encourage all members. Prayer being the, I think, is a really critical factor in this. Um, letting your children be involved in prayer. This happened nightly around the dinner table. Um, we have, I remember the, some of our children in high chairs. They'd be sitting there, we'd be reading the Bible. They're, you know, usually a just picture Bible. Um, we pray together, we give each other space to talk. Each member of the family was valued, cared for. Um, we prayed for our, after we'd read the word together, we'd then um, pray for our sponsor children, we pray for family members. Um, we pray in crisis if there was something going on and something big had happened. Um, being in ministry, doing previously in um, past, pastoral ministry, um, often crises would come into our house and we'd be the first to hear about it. So we, we would just stop and pray right then and there about those things. One of my daughters said that her integral part of what she saw in the family uh, was the understanding that Jesus um, was there with us in those times and we would pray and rely on him. Really, really interesting. So she saw that as a beautiful part of growing up and that prayer was uh, a big part of all of that. 
We still pray together. Uh, not always easy at times. We set aside. We used to do that every night, but now with the family and what everyone's doing, we have a family night, and we still do. We still um, aim to do that. Uh, this this is a practical discipleship way. Regardless of those who are visiting, we did this. One of our daughters at one stage chose to date a guy who didn't love Jesus. Uh, he was there for dinner. We went on as normal. We read the word, we talked about the word. This guy's eyes were like saucers. <laughs> but we thought we needed to um, see, we needed to see who we were. Um, needless to say, the relationship didn't continue. And there was a great learning that went on there when, when this person said, I realised that I'm not going to ever date a non-Christian again. So even in that little way, we just accepted who he was. We never judged him, we never judged her as to her choice. She needed to do the journey. So we just it went on as normal. And, and did what we normally do in our family. Um, all of that's developing a concept of who God is and how he's involved in our lives. Um, praying, praying together is just a beautiful thing. I pray with my preschoolers all the time. And, um, you know, they shoot up arrow prayers all the time. And um, it was beautiful this week. I'll show you. They got to do... Um, I asked them just to do a drawing of someone who loves them. And this is what they drew. And one of my children said, that's God, with his three hearts, just, oh. and that's their concept of who God is, and how he loves them. So it was something, someone who loves you, and so that was a beautiful image of who God is. I said, that says a lot, just, just, oh, fabulous. So it's just in that everyday thing, part of life, where we talk about God, we pray, we talk to him like we would a friend, and we model that. Um... The only other, I've sort of run out of time just because there's so much. Um, the only other great, well, helpful thing, hopefully to you, is um, you've always tried to make Sunday a different day. I think there's a lot of pressures to not be different. That we, if we're travelling on a Sunday, we help, we hold car church. So car church is just like a normal service, but we have it in the car. We send around a bucket for um, offering. Someone leads worship. Someone um, preaches. Someone has a Bible passage to bring. So we've always done that. It's called Car Church. Um, if we we're away for the weekend, we went away for someone's birthday. We were on the island. Obviously, we couldn't get to church. So we had family church. So the nine, again, it was the nine with boyfriends at the time, the three guys. Uh, one of them led worship on guitar. Someone shared a passage. We had communion together. Just special connection, special time to model. And then if we're away also... Um, on holidays, often people can sometimes say we don't go to church when we're on holidays. I'm like, what the? Uh, we've always made a point, if we can, go to church um, and we'll visit another church to see how other people express Jesus. And so we've tried to always be intentional about making Sunday a different day and think that's um, something that we can value. So I have to stop now. Um, I'm sorry, that's probably all been forgotten. But there's just so much I, I can things that we've valued. And, um, so I just, I guess, take a minute just to quickly turn to the person next to you, taking all that in and think about um, something that you're going to take from this. And my final comment, I guess, is just to say, throughout all of this, all that I've told you, it's only been God's wisdom that has assisted. I humbly say that. Through all of this, that I've been always asked God for wisdom to know how to navigate difficult children or my own children or situations. And God will grant you wisdom if you ask for it, and He has done that and helped us along our journey. So we need to rely on Him and know that He'll never give up. <laughs> he doesn't give up on us, and that's my mantra for my preschool children. I say, that, and God, never, don't give up when you find a difficult task. Don't give up because God never gives up on you and you can do this and you can achieve amazing things if you never give up. So quickly take literally 30 seconds to just tell the person next to you something you're going to take from discipleship in the family. <laughs>